close the door behind you. You're now in the green room. Cool. Hello and welcome, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Caribbean Cadences, The Green Room. Today, I am in the green room with Isabella Burnham. Isabella, can you tell the people hello? (laughs) Hello. Nice to see you. Nice to hear you, you know, cheer, you know, put the likes and comments, subscribe to the page, you know the things. Help the content grow. Let's let's do it. <laughs> yeah, man. And guys, I have to tell you, I'm very excited to have Isabella in here today because she's about to release her first ever, I believe her first ever, right? That's correct. Uh, EP. Um, for those of you who don't know what an EP is, it's kind of like an album, a, a bit shorter mm-hmm. though, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I've been privileged enough, uh, you know, I, I kind of got a look behind the scenes and I got a first listen. And let me tell you all something. It's dope. All right. <laughs> Thank you, man. That means yeah. a lot. Yeah, man. Y- y'all need to check this thing out. It's it's really good music. It's a really good listen. It's the, the kind of thing um, that that I will be listening to for years to come. It's going to be ah. saved in my library. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, y'all need to check it out. Uh, can you tell us when the release date is? Yes, it's on the 21st of May. Okay. So on Friday. All right. So, so this Friday, y'all watch out. The EP is about to drop. Um, c- tell us a little bit about yourself. Introduce us to Isabella. Who, who, who are you? Because, yeah, you know, mm. we want to know your story uh, here in the green room today. Okay. Well, my name is Isabella Burnham, and I'm a 22-year-old bass player, vocalist, and composer from London, but I grew up in Barbados. And I like honed all of my musical skills there. That's where I learned piano, a little bit of drums and like bass. And I studied at the Barbados Community College. And then I did like the hotel circuit. And then I realized, you know, I want to make a name for myself like outside of Barbados or outside of the Caribbean. And I moved back home to London and I started building my career here. And I moved back three years ago and... It's been crazy. I've been privileged enough to play with the likes of Connie Constance and um, Sampa the Great and um, biggest claim to fame, which is uh, Tom Mish, uh, which is really exciting gig to play. Jeez. Um, so you've been so working, yeah? Huh? I have. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. That, that's really cool. That's really cool. Uh, how did you... Because you said you started honing your musical skills in Barbados. How did that really get started? How did you really get started with music there? So, like, it's always been, like, around. Because, like, my parents used to play music, like, um, like Earth, Wind & Fire and, like, Parliament Funkadelic. And then some, like, other, like, English bands and, like, some bands from France. Like, a real eclectic mix of music was always being played. Plus, mm-hmm. like, the dub and soca that my brothers would play for yeah. me. So... I just heard music from an early age growing up and like everything is music. Like the horns in the vans. Everything is music. Right. So like I, um, yeah, I just started to develop it in secondary school. That's when I like my music teacher in parent teacher evening, she was like, <clears throat> if it's 
Isabella does not pick an instrument by the end of this year, then I will pick one for her and it will be the <laughs> piano because I am a piano teacher. Plus, when you study an instrument, universities love that. So she must study. And then my parents were like, okay, well, put her into piano lessons and we'll see what happens. And yeah, from piano lessons, it turned into picking up the bass guitar. And my uncle gave me my first lesson. Okay. And that was at age 14. And I haven't looked back. Hey, man, listen, <laughs> bass is life. I don't know if folks know, but <laughs> bass is life, know. man. Yeah, get to know. Uh, I, I actually started playing bass somewhere around 12 or 13 as well. So mm-hmm. uh, kind of the same wave there in terms of when when I, I started. Um, but uh, you, you really, you really uh, took leaps and bounds with it. The, um, I don't know if you, you guys know, uh, there's a feature that I shared on the platform, I believe sometime last week. And I think mm-hmm. you're playing for a Fender release there. Yeah, I played for a Fender ad campaign and I became one of those ads that you can't skip. <laughs> those 15 <laughs> seconds ads on YouTube before your video. Right. That was me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. What are, what are some of your influences in, in terms of bass, like getting started with bass? And, uh, who are some of the people you looked up to there? Um, for a long time, like I loved Montan Records, but I didn't know who the bass player was. And it's only until I got into college that I realized that it was Mr. James Jameson. Mm-hmm. And just his lines are so iconic. Like the the way that they made the track, you know, like the bass lines that you can hum. Yeah. And like, you know, so it's like kind of his, carrying, carrying the entire. Yeah. Yeah. Cause otherwise it's just the same chords that are in every song and it's the bass line <laughs> that differs. Right. Kind of like in reggae, like it's the same. Oh, yeah. And like, you know, Sly and Robbie, like they really did the thing <laughs> um, in, in terms of that movement. Um, but I'd say James Jamison for sure. And then like I heard about Larry Graham and Marcus Miller and my mind was blown. <laughs> um, and just the whole funk and slap era. Um, and then obviously listening to a lot of Earth, Wind and Fire, you know, those bass lines are truly iconic. Right. So like those are just all just a little bit of my influences. And then just like some players here in London are really cool. There's this guy called Yannick Wazdala and he plays like chordal harmony bass and solos and he plays with Michael Brecker and just really crazy talented bass player that I I try to emulate in some of my playing in terms of when I'm approaching solos because it just makes sense. Right. Um, especially as bass isn't seen as a solo instrument or something that can solo because we're holding down the groove all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's it's nice to see the bass in a different light. And that's what like, he opened up my mind to, just like watching and hearing him play. Interesting. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, of course, I'm not I'm not Bajan. I'm not from Barbados. But uh, mm-hmm. working with uh, Caribbean Cadence, I, I do yeah. now know a, a, mm-hmm. a, a bunch of Bajan uh, musicians. Uh, yeah. Did you ever do anything with the Nicholas Branco band? I didn't because he is the bass player. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. That makes sense. Um, like there's two main bands that every 
person that's coming out of college strives to be in unless mm-hmm. Nicholas Branca's band or Arturo mm-hmm. Tappan's band. Yeah, um, I've, I've seen that name as well. Like, they're just the most craziest, talented human beings that um, ever would, like, in my opinion, that, that ever walked Barbados. Like, um, I think um, Nicholas Branker, he played with Roberta Flack. And, like, I think he might have MD'd, but, like, don't quote me on that. Um, <laughs> and Arturo Tappen ended up playing with Luther Vandross. So, like, really iconic people. And then they came back home and like informed the culture, you know, mm-hmm. like they had, uh, they, they made the movement of the nineties music and the way that like Ragasoka came in, that was all like the brainchild of Nicholas Branca, but I haven't played for them or with them, but I've played with the people in the band. Okay. So I feel like that's the next best thing. Right. <laughs> Cause then you're and, still, like, you're still connected musically, right? Yeah, like he would host workshops sometimes or like um, the the in thing to do was get a lesson from Arturo and Arturo Tappan's lessons last a couple hours and then you have information for like the rest of your life and just things to practice. Like mm. he just opens up all the doors like on a Saturday morning, like no matter what instrument you play, he, he plays saxophone and a little bit of keys. Okay. But whatever instrument you play, you can go and, and take a lesson for free and and he'll teach you once you're willing to you know, apply yourself. He's not here for time wasters, which makes sense. <laughs> right, right. Well, but, well, well special shout out to him for giving back to giving back to musicians mm-hmm. in Barbados and really building the community there. Um, uh, he, did, I yeah, think he it, does a wonderful job. Right. Yeah. I think it's super important to uh, give back as much as you can to uh, the ones that uh, come after, uh, the ones that come after you, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Um, so I want to I want to roll back a little bit um, to the EP, right? Um, yeah. Right now, as we speak, there's probably somebody watching this, somebody listening. Um, well, not as we speak, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> um, so somebody is going to look at this and say, hmm, she did an EP. I wonder, I wonder how she did that, right? Uh, can mm-hmm. you just walk us through the process a little bit? Tell us a little bit about your process, uh, your creative process for your arrangements and how you put this all together. Okay. So although it seems fast because I recorded it in March and now I'm releasing it in May, mm-hmm. I actually wrote these tunes back in 2018 and in 2019 in the summer. So... um as I was building up a name for myself um, in 2019, I came across uh, a lady called Pat Pascal who runs something called Jazz New Blood, which introduces new jazz talent in London to the London Jazz Festival, which is like a, a big festival here in the UK or in Europe for jazz. Mm-hmm. So uh, in April, she calls me. She's like, I have a slot open in November for the London Jazz Festival. Do you want to play it? And like, that's, that's like a big deal. Like, I thought I'd have to wait like five, six years in order to play the festival under my own name as a, as my own artist. Because okay. like, I've played festivals before just in bands for other artists. So it's, it's a little different. It's still very exciting, but mm-hmm. when you're at the forefront and people come to see you, they bought tickets to come and actually see you. It's very different and very gratifying experience. So I started planning they said they needed a half an hour set. So I timed it to be maybe like four or five tunes. And I had already written one. Like 
a couple of months back. So I was like, okay, I've got one tune. Okay, I need to write like three or four more. So I, I just drew inspiration from like, I, I usually write on piano, but then sometimes I would write on bass because like I was just learning chords and like getting deep into chords on bass. Mm-hmm. So like the the title track, Dancing Garuda, like I played that all on piano, like little by little. Um, it's like the most jazz swing, like 1960s vibe of like the whole project. And um, I just really tried to lean into like, what if I was like, what if I actually, you know, did those lessons and continue to play piano? What would I actually be like? And I was like trying my hardest to play the lines and then, I gave the music or like the really like crappy MIDI, like logic MIDI file to my friend. And he was like, okay, I got you. I got you. And like, he just made it pretty like with all the embellishments, like in solo sections that I couldn't like even dream. And like, he just, he saw my vision and like he executed it like really well. But I'd say the bulk of the writing happened in summer over the course of me, like, doing mini festivals and then like hearing ideas and just voice noting like my voice notes in my phone are just filled with like little bits of like melodies or like background lines for like horn arrangements um like and you can just hear like traffic in the background or like water (laughs) so I don't even know where I was like in Europe because it it was crazy tour schedule as well um because I was touring with like three or four different bands so every weekend I was somewhere different, mm-hmm. which is like also really exciting. But also in the back of my mind, I was like, I need to finish this project. So any spare minute I'd be humming. And then I'd say the last week of August, I sat down at, lo- at, at my computer and I keyed it all in in Logic. And I was like, okay, it's getting, it's getting there. It's coming together. Okay. And then I met my band. I put them all together, handpicked everyone from who I was playing in the scene and I thought they would really dig my vibe Mm -hmm. and we got into rehearsals and just pieced the vision together. And then we, we did that gig in November of 2019 and then like COVID hit and we had to stay inside and like the music just sat there up until I was like, you know what? I want to have something positive come out of COVID. So I'm going to push this EP and I got some funds together and went into the studio and recorded, and here we are. So long but short. <laughs> yeah. So it, it really sounds to me like you ha- you had this whole process of kind of just capturing what you wanted to say musically, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it, 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 some parts of that were easier than others, right? <laughs> but yeah, uh, you you were determined, and you you uh, made sure to capture everything. And tell me a little bit about that. Like when you when you're writing a track, or um, yeah. when you think of these lines, you're kind of hearing the track in your head, right? Is that is yeah? That- like I hear multiple parts at once. Like uh, people think that maybe like as bass players we start with our instrument, but that's not the case with me. So I would often start everything on piano. And then like I'll hear the drum, the drum part next. And then I'll hear the melody, not sure who's gonna take it, because I've got there's six pieces. There's like keys, drums, guitar, trombone, trumpet, and myself. So like 
trombone or trumpet could take the lead melody or guitar could take the melody or keys could take the melody. So I've got all those tonal options to play with, but I'll hear the melody, I'll hear the chords underneath, I'll hear the drums, and then I'll be like, okay, background line, what am I going to say in this background line? Or do I even need a background line? Because like that's something that we were taught in college, the use of like background harmonies and how they layer and help like execute the vision of the track better. Right. Um, versus just having like a main melody and then nothing to support it other than the the chordal harmony underneath. So there's just different techniques that um, we were taught in college that I just decided to use within my compositional skills set. Um, it's kind of like a lot of my stuff was through composed. So I never came back to an idea. It just like rolled into the next, rolled into the next. Right. I feel like Hard Ears, especially, which is like track number three on the album, was definitely written that way. Um, and that was like the hardest one to piece together because it didn't feel like it was going to come together. You know? Is it because. I don't know if it's sound. Yeah. Is it because there. Because. And. I listened to the, the EP. I, I might be getting some of the titles wrong, but yeah, there, there, there's a track where there feels it feels like the mood shifts across mm -hmm. the arrangement, right? Mm -hmm. And it's almost like a score, like a film score, where yeah. like the scenes are changing across mm -hmm. the track. And I, I thought that was really cool. Um, but it, it makes me wonder if that that's kind of what you're referring to there. Yeah, like. I felt like I had many vibes that fit like the genre of spooch. That's what I was really pushing in hard is. So there's like three main Caribbean genres that I also wanted to bring out into the forefront of music here in London that not many people know about as Caribbean genres, which is Shango, which is from Trinidad, Zouk music, mm -hmm. Ocampa from, from St. Lucia and, and spooch music <laughs> from Barbados. So like in power, it starts with a bass solo and then it goes into like some really cool like jazzy like neo soul vibes and then it jumps into shango for like the next section and then the last section it goes into zook i don't know if you were talking about that tune or the one that was just like i think i think i think it's the first one there not not the second one the other melody you just did the the other one yeah. Yeah. Well, that one, that one was like, I, I thought like more like a thematic, like almost film score. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely <laughs> the vibe that I was going for. So, so uh, would you say you have a, and I know this, this might be a, mm -hmm. a, a funny little question, but would you say you have a fun, a uh, favorite Caribbean genre or one that you connect with more than any other? Um, I would say, like, I really love Shango and I really love, I really love spooch music because, like, these genres, they don't get heard a lot unless you know people in the Caribbean, unless you, you, you have an in. Mm -hmm. Like, I know, like, Shango and, like, Kaiso turned into, like, Calypso, which turned into Soka music, which turned into Bashment Soka, like, which turned into what people stole, like, Drake, you know, yeah. Tropical House. So it's gone, it's gone everywhere, but like people don't really know the origins and like reggae and spooge were kind of out in the same time, like pioneered within like the same sort of five or six years. 
um, between each other. Like, I just want to open up people's minds to what the Caribbean has to offer other than reggae and soca, because there's lots more genres. Right. And I feel like my compositions are a way in for people to be like, oh yeah, I know jazz. And oh, what's this rhythm? Oh, let me research it. Oh, she said spooge. I don't know what that is. And then just drive people's curiosity to. Right. Yeah. To learn. To listen to island music, you know? Yeah. And, you know, just talking about this, it kind of makes me a little curious because is there another region in the world where genres are just invented like this? <laughs> like, like, how many <laughs> other places have as many genres as the Caribbean? Am I just not aware like i mean other than like america but like it all stems from the same place which is really africa yeah true like <laughs> the continent the motherland like of rhythm right but like in jazz like you had the enslaved people from africa and their rhythms met with the the classical like harmony And that sort of melded together to make jazz, um, which was spelt with like two S's instead of two Z's. I did not know that. I did not know that. Back, 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 back in the day. And then like pioneers of the genre, like Louis Armstrong, would try and mimic like vocals with his trumpet playing. Mm -hmm. And like from jazz stemmed like rock and blues Mm -hmm. and from rock and blues stem soul and R&B and then the pop music that's popular today. So I feel like like jazz is like the mother of all genres. Like, I don't know if people have said that before. And then what would happen is that we would hear jazz in the Caribbean off of like pirate radio stations that we could hear from like Florida and try and emulate that and mix our Caribbean rhythms with that harmony. And that's how like some other genres in the Caribbean forms, but there's quite a few genres in the Caribbean that are like slightly different rhythmically, but they all have the same joyful energy. So I think you might be onto something like, I don't know anywhere else that has like such significant amount of genres. Yeah. I think you're onto something here. You know, you know, what's interesting. I actually heard, um, uh, I heard someone say, can't remember the name the name of the guy was it Buster Rhymes but I don't know but <laughs> but uh, he was saying that hip-hop and the way mm. hip-hop kind of got started was kind mm-hmm. of out of hearing some Caribbean uh mm-hmm. maybe dancehall a little bit of dancehall maybe or possibly some something in reggae and then yeah. fo- folks came back to America and started rapping and that's kind yeah. of how may have influenced the beginning of hip-hop which if true maybe hip-hop is a little caribbean i don't know what to tell y'all yeah 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 yeah. i don't know like i've definitely heard that and i've also heard like so each track like like soul yeah like you take like a motown record it would have like a little eight bar like drum break so what would happen is that the dj would put two vinyl discs, the same track, and then just play like the eight bars on here and then shift the fader over to play the eight bars. So it just kind of loops continuously. Mm. And then basically the MC, which is what, you know, everybody say, Ayo, Ayo. and then like <laughs> they started developing 
lyrics for those, you know, eight or 16 bar breaks. And then like people got like really inventive and like started reading like thesauruses and like really got technical with like how much they could like say within those like eight or 16 bars. And then that just led into sampling of the 90s. And that's why a lot of like records that did well, like Dr. Dre records and um, like Ice Cube stuff, like they all sampled records from like the Temptations or like right. the Isley Brothers. Right. So like, it's just like one genre informs the next, which informs the next. So it's like, it all stems, like if you keep going back, it all stems from jazz. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's a really beautiful thing about music because uh, as you play anything you're playing, uh, it's kind of, you're kind of standing on the shoulders of giants. It's like a creative mm -hmm. process that continues and keeps moving forward and keeps building into something else and something else and something a little different. Um, and I think that's pretty cool. It's one of the things I like about music. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about your transition uh mm -hmm. coming uh back to the uk from the caribbean and entering the music scene was that uh just super easy and everything just worked out <laughs> um i'm really lucky to live with my older brothers and my uncle so it gave me like a stable almost home away from home yeah. because like family is like a huge support and also to have a place to live where like I could contribute when I could to like all the financial like rent and like whatever, mm -hmm. like it just made it that much easier to pursue my dreams. Whereas like my colleagues would have to like every month spend like 600 pounds, which is, you know, roughly maybe like a thousand us dollars a month just to live without like paying for food or like, you know, water oh, yeah. bills, like just, <laughs> rent <laughs> uh, yeah. so like i was lucky not to to have to do that right away like so that afforded me the opportunity to go out and explore and just hit up all the jam sessions that i could so for the first like seven or eight months it was really slow to dead because no one knew who i was but i just kept going to jam sessions kept getting my instagram and like giving it to people and then you know every so often i get messages saying oh are you available for a gig here and that's how it built Mm -hmm. I also went to um, a program called Tomorrow's Warriors, which is run by Gary Crosby, who has basically influenced this new generation of jazz that's coming out of London right now. Um, Gary, Crosby? That, that, Gary Crosby? Gary Crosby. Okay. Um, he, he runs yeah, a program called um, Tomorrow's Warriors with his partner in crime, which is Janine Irons, and like them together, like business and like the the musical technicality like that just spawned this beautiful charity which just helps young players you know just help define their sound and get them out into the industry um so i went there as well just to hang out and see what the vibe was because my teacher back from bcc in barbados community college he recommended that i go and talk to gary um but okay. i'm just you know i'm just really really proud of like what I could accomplish in such a short space of time. And like, it's not definitely not like this for everyone, Like if it wasn't for my living situation, then I wouldn't be where I am right now. Right. No. And um, I, I get that. It, it's, it's tough enough moving to a whole new environment and a whole new location 
readjusting culturally and learning how Ooh, to get around oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, just getting past all that and also having to do that sleeping on your friend's couch you know <laughs> which is mm. that's like the story right a lot of people move to LA in the states or uh, they move to uh, a new spot <laughs> and you know they're on a couch they're like bouncing around and it's very difficult and um I'm very 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 happy that you you had uh, some sort of support uh, moving into this location into this location um mm-hmm. I'm also impressed by your determination uh coming in you said you you were constantly going to the, these jam sessions hustling yeah. networking uh yeah. where, where did you get that determination from where where did you get that grind from um just like upbringing especially in an island like you're always told like from school days like if you want to do well you need like a scholarship and like in order to have this scholarship you need to have like all A's and you're not only battling people in your own island you're battling people across the whole caricom <laughs> so like there's always this like internal hustle that you need to do well and like make the most out of your opportunities and like i was like this from secondary school like i was that kid that was in everything My nickname in school was Salt because I was part of track team, I was part of debate team. I I played cricket for my island. Like I toured in like Trinidad and St Lucia because of it. Like on on like summer holidays I like this is cool. And I'm like yeah, now going and bowling. I'm like oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Boom. Um but like it just made me like well versed in terms of just like a well-rounded human being right. that's able to speak and connect with people because like I've been doing it for a long time. Right. like throughout like my formative years and teenage years like i've been like just meeting and greeting people and just like learning how to speak to people yeah and and that's like a skill that i mean until now i haven't really thought that it was a skill but it definitely is like making sure that you get your point across and that you like judging someone's energy is is the hardest i feel like especially when you're in like you've got like 5 minutes to say what you want to say like to right. like the band that's come in from America like cuz I'd usually go to gigs as well whenever like a band that I really love is in town yeah and I'll make it a point to try and go and talk to one of the band members like definitely not the head artist because they never have time for you <laughs> like <laughs> but like go talk to the bass player or the drummer that's like sitting at the bar getting a drink and I'd be like okay what's my in like I would think this like mm. in the mirror while I'm getting ready okay what's my in okay I saw them perform at like a gig maybe a year ago and like they were fiddling with their bass amp so maybe let me just bring that up and ask if he was like actually happy because like last time I saw you da 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 that's always better than going oh my god like I really love what you're playing like mm-hmm, it's so great mm-hmm. because they probably hear that a lot okay. so you yeah. just want to go in with like a memorable point and then get in there that like you're also like an instrumentalist and they're like oh <laughs> Oh, we might get you up, you know, to play and I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. And they're like, okay. Let's call you up. I'm like that's happened before. You just like put it put the idea in their head to make it their idea. And they're like, oh, did you want to come up and play? I'm like, sure. Because yeah. it's always nice to connect with people. Right. And just network from all walks of life. So whenever I go into situations, wherever it might be it might be a bar it might be going to like a nightclub that like music is being played like i've always got my networking head on like it's kind of tiring sometimes but i need to turn that off in order just to have fun 
and just yeah. to go out with my friends and not think of it as like a work event, but like mostly is because music, like this industry is very much who you know and not necessarily what you know. Like you don't need a degree to, to play music for like all these incredible people. They just care that you know the music and that you're actually nice to hang out with. Because yeah. at, at a certain level, everyone knows how to play. Everyone is technically brilliant. So it's not about their skill that is like keeping you from getting the job. It's yeah. about your personality and if you can hang or not. That's really what differentiates, differentiates you between other people to get the gig or not. And that took me a while to learn, but that's definitely the case. And now I don't take it personally when I don't get hired. I just know that I wasn't the right fit in terms of personality with the group. Not that I'm a bad player, because that can sometimes plague you as well as a musician. All right. It, now now you're just spitting some gems and I, I don't know if the the people listening <laughs> are actually grabbing onto this but this right here is golden like this is some golden stuff uh just uh, just first of all in terms of networking right um mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize that uh being a professional musician being being an artist is probably some percentage performance and I'd like for you to fill in the blank some percentage mm. performance and another percentage personality people networking um professionalism uh uh mm-hmm. and uh actually managing your brand in an intelligent and responsible way so here's the question what percentage <laughs> do you think yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I'm going to break it down. So obviously, obviously you spend years perfect or like not perfecting, but like getting your craft to a point where like it's like industry standard. And once it's there, like once you spent your years developing your sound and like now, you know, Katie gets cool because he is the only guy that does what you do, right? Yeah. You get to that point. And I'd say it's 10% playing and 90% just like, traveling with these people like getting to know these people on tour buses or on planes or like in soundcheck like the time that you spend playing the gig is never more than like an hour or two like there's never more than a two-hour show so say that there's two hours show every day and the rest of the time like you're, you're constantly with them because like you room your roommates with them or like you're in the same tour bus so you got to make sure you get on and like that's like something that people don't necessarily know when you realize oh you're going on tour it's it's fantastic don't get me wrong but like if you're with the wrong people if like if you're not connecting with the people that you're in the Mm -hmm. band with then it can be like a quite like not so enjoyable experience not like not because of the music or the musician like it's because you're not gelling well and that's like kind of like a nightmare like I try to make sure that I know the people that I'm going on tour with beforehand and like hang out because that's the most important otherwise you're not going to have fun and like if you're not having fun why are you playing music yeah of course and i think that's particularly valuable for anybody listening who might get a call one day and say hey what's going on we'd like for you to tour with us uh for six months um and (laughs) just get caught up in the excitement of tour six months and book the ticket before asking okay so who are, mm-hmm. <laughs> who's the band <laughs> and you know yeah like that. 
Um, yeah, so that, that right there is extremely important. And, and I really want to thank you for sharing that. Um, so a couple more things here. Mm-hmm. Uh, about your training, right? And you, you learning, uh, you, you mentioned being introduced with the teacher who was like, she's going to play the piano because we're a piano teacher, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, but uh, how much formal training did you then go on to do? Uh, what was that like? So, yeah, around age 11 or 12, I picked up piano lessons for maybe a year. And then like a year after that, I started playing bass. And that was like when I was in like fourth form mm-hmm. or third form. And then... Yeah, I basically I did my CXCs. I didn't play bass in that time because I was too busy doing CXCs. And then I went. Did you do music went, for CXC? I wanted to, but I was the only one in my whole school that wanted to do music in my ear. Okay. So they said we can't have a class for one. Yeah. And then I was going to do it privately, but then I realized I didn't need a music degree in order to get into the college, the Barbados Community College. You just needed four CXCs, and two of them being maths and English, and two others to be eligible and then like you took like a written test once you were there so I came out with an associate's degree in applied arts like music Mm -hmm. um and that was like my formal training so two years of like one-on-one bass lessons with um my teacher called um, Richard Evans nicknamed Bill Evans um and he was like really instrumental like giving me the techniques that I have today and like just like the, the concept of practicing like every day, even if it's only for like 20 minutes to half an hour, yeah. like you need to make sure that you stay connected with your instrument because like once you get yourself into a routine, like you'll notice if you haven't practiced for a week, like how things feel. And especially if it's going to be something that you want to be a professional at, you need to make sure that you're playing your instrument every day or at least practicing, like whether it's like mental practice, but like, always like trying to be better or at least that's my opinion mm-hmm. and when I'm practicing like even my scales I want to make it as musical as possible because yes they are part of your practice and you know you run up and down your scales but I want to make sure that I'm using my things that I practice in my playing so the best way I can do that is trying to make them as musical as I can whether it's just like different rhythmical patterns or just working them in small cells on my instrument rather than like doing like a whole two, three octave scale up and down, you know, at 90 BPM and then like a hundred and you, I'm not really down with that style of practicing. Like it works for some people. Like I did that like in my, in my formative years, but now I just like to practice in just like basically different parts of the neck that I'll be using more commonly rather than up and down because I don't play like this during gigs (laughs) and kind of stay in one zone. So I want to make sure that I have complete control and access over all the notes that I need to underneath my fingers. And that's what I'm just kind of working on now. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes complete sense, right? Uh, Mm. It's a very practical approach. And uh, I've heard that that mentioned often by uh, people who uh, give lessons and stuff. They always mention, yeah, you want to try to find a musical way to approach your your skill playing and um, Mm -hmm. instead of just wrote. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Do you have any questions or suggestions for the cadence? 
Um, I just, yeah, I want to know like how you, how you developed your show into what it is now, like, and and how you go talent scouting because that, that's what you were saying earlier. That's how you found me. <laughs> like, how did it become, like, what you do now? Like, you Sorry. as Mr. Amanda. Like, how did you, how did you come to be the green room? Tell me okay. your story. <laughs> <laughs> My story. Uh, that's good. Um, so. Caribbean Cadence started out as Lucian Musicians, right? And Lucian Musicians, mm -hmm. uh, that name came about from me being in college. Um, and I had, you know, my friends in St. Lucia. I went to college mm -hmm. in Michigan. Um, and th there was a time period. <clears throat> sorry. There was a time period where live arrangements were coming out. Mm -hmm. We had the Sean Wrights and, and everybody was coming out with these uh, live arrangements and it was really good. And so I wanted to share with my friends and mm -hmm. I, I decided, why not just create a Facebook group? Um, I'll just throw it in there, add my friends in, and then folks started to add other people. And then mm -hmm. people started hopping in and got to the point where it was really just growing. But it wasn't really something that I had intended to really grow. Mm -hmm. um, so as life went on, I kind of stepped back for a little bit and the the group kind of faded away a little bit. Um, mm -hmm. But then sometime in 2019 or 2018, mm -hmm. I kind of looked back and I was like, you know, huh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I was like, let me, let me, let me restart that. That was cool. And I enjoyed doing it. Right. And so I, I decided to expand a little bit out of the Facebook group and I created Illusion Musicians on Instagram and uh, YouTube page and all these things and started to kind of create this infrastructure um, for networking, for growth, for learning, for Caribbean instrumentalists, because there wasn't that. Right. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, and that's how it started. And then after after a little bit, you know, I, I kept getting a few suggestions like, hey, this Lucian Musicians page, is it just for Lucian Musicians? <laughs> right? Mm. Because I was featuring people from all over the region and and that was the intention, you know, uh, to... So I decided to rebrand, change the name from Lucian Musicians to Caribbean Cadence. Mm -hmm. um, and we now have Eli with me on the team. Shout out to you, Eli. Um, and we, yeah, we're growing and doing our thing. And as for the start of the green room, the, the green mm -hmm. room, it, it kind of got to the point where I was like, okay, I'm featuring these amazing artists. I kind of want to talk to them. So <laughs> I kind of want to start talking to these mm. people. And so um, what better way to package that than a podcast? Um, yes. And I had actually just started listening to post podcasts. I was like, okay, let me just make one, right? And um, yeah. uh, it's been a great journey, man. I've talked to really dope people, made um, some really great connections. And uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. I enjoy doing it. I enjoy talking to the people who's playing I admire so much. And um, it's a good time. I, I intend on being here for a while. So <laughs> excellent. You know, I, I have to circle back then when I put my next project and make oh. sure that I shout you out 
and we'll have another interview. How's that sound? Yeah, man. Whenever you're ready, just let me know. Um, folks, for sure, uh, it's not optional. On Friday, y'all, y'all have to check out this EP. Uh, I'm going to shout out to um, Eli because um, if y'all didn't know, Eli is the one running the platform from Friday up until Monday morning. Um, so Eli is going to be, you know, hopping in. I, I know I know he probably had a post already lined up, so hopefully he's not mad at me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we have to get the CP out there, man. And uh, yeah, it's been really great talking to you. Um, it's really been a pleasure. Um, I'm not joking. The EP is great. Quick question, though, before we, yes. we hop out. Mm-hmm. Snacky Puppy. Yes. Uh, is there... Any influence there? Anything snacky related? Because I I mm-hmm. like the same things about your music that I like about snacky. So is that just by I think chance? It's maybe co- coincidence. Like I do listen to their stuff and I do love their stuff. Mm-hmm. And like I'm also friends with like one of the original drummers, which is JT Thomas. Okay. Like he came to Barbados in. Yeah, back in 2012 with Marcus Miller on tour. Well, not on tour. Like, he did a show called um, Christmas Jazz. And that's where I met him. It was like a wee, like, 14-year-old. And, like, I was, like, just getting into bass, like, really exploring just, like, how to play a C major scale or, like, a groove. Right. And he was like, man, like, if you stick at it, you'll be you'll be cool. Like, you'll be good. <laughs> you'll be cool. And then, like, fast forward, like, a couple, like, you know, six or seven years and... Like I saw him on stage and like he invited me backstage and he's like, I've seen your page. I've seen you grow like into this musician. I'm like, (laughs) thank you. Like, you know, you're a little awkward. Like someone that you looked up to is now like praising you, but like, it's crazy. And like, I'm so thankful to have that connection. So I don't know if it's like maybe subconsciously, it definitely wasn't like, Oh, I definitely like drew inspiration, but like, you know, you just surround yourself with what you like to hear and then it comes out in your music. Yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, and yeah, it, guys, ch- just check it out. Okay. <laughs> Take my word for Thank it. You. Check it out. Um, Dancing Garuda. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, when, when do you think you might work on an, another project? Well, I'm working on my second project as we speak. So that it- one's d- totally different. It's going to be just bass and vocals and like oh, cold type of like crazy chord shit and like whoop, crazy chord no, stuff. You, you're and- fine, you're fine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, chord, like layered stuff and layered harmonies. Like it's going to be different. It's going to be mad. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be me, <laughs> All right. you know? <laughs> Yeah, and and you is dope. So I'm looking forward to it. Is it gonna be kind of like an album or another EP? Okay. Like I don't feel like I'm ready to put out like a full like hour body of work. Mm-hmm. You know, just hit people with the nice 25 minutes, half an hour thing, mm-hmm. until like, I can build up enough following for it to make sense. You know. All right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, that 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 sounds good to me. We'll be looking forward to that. Also, folks, uh, for those of you who heard it here first. Can't say it enough. Go check out the EP. We will be back uh, on the third week of June. Okay. Bye for now. Bye-bye.